0: Hi, I'm Jacqueline Pelfi and I'm here with Sanford Health News. Uh, Today, our guest is Larissa Ristie. She is a senior genetic counselor with Sanford Health. Hey, Larissa. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for being here today. (laughs) Of course. Um, So you and I have talked to each other quite a bit over the past few years about the world of genetic counseling. Um, Tell me a little bit about how you got into that field. It's pretty new. (laughs) Right.
1: Sure. So um, I was actually on an engineering track in undergrad. Um, really have always liked science and math and have always been, um, you know, where I wanted to go in a career. But after having a few internships, I realized that engineering was, um, you know, uh, you sat and you designed and you didn't have a lot of human interaction, except for your kind of nerdy counterparts that worked with you. Um, And I enjoyed that, but um, also kind of wanted a job that would have a little bit more um, one-on-one time with with an individual, and I actually started doing Google searches looking for things that could potentially.
0: <laughs> what um, do you Google for that? In. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Talking to people, job. <laughs> right. Um, so you stumbled onto genetic counseling as a career, and you know it's it's a fairly new field, and. Um, we talk a lot in the state of South Dakota about um, brain drain. You know, you hear about that a ton, and I, whenever I hear that, I think, that's not my company. You know, Sanford is hiring all kinds of people in very highly skilled professions, including genetic counseling. Um, for folks who might not know exactly what that entails, can you tell me a little bit about it?
1: Um, the profession in general.
0: Absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Not the brain drain. You already yeah. came back. We're yeah, happy to absolutely. have
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, genetic counseling is um, a master's program, first of all. So two-year master's with um, the summer in between the two academic years. Um, and you actually are trained in multiple areas of genetics um, with the idea then that you can come out. And um, some individuals are kind of general genetic counselors who work in multiple different areas. Um, The primary areas are going to be in prenatal, high-risk OB genetics, um, pediatric genetics, and then cancer genetics. Now there's a bunch of kind of subspecialties that are breaking off from that, but that's kind of the three main areas that you would be trained in, and you have clinical rotations through all of those. Um, And really, it's a profession where you're trying to take that, that medical information, that scientific information, and make it understandable for a family. Mm -hmm. Um, So you work a lot with um, just helping them to understand what's going on, Um, breaking things down and helping them to to think through how um, disease can be passed through families, um, how genes can impact the way that our body functions, um, and what the result um, symptomology can kind of be there. So We
0: talk um, a little bit about how just because you – might go and talk to a genetic counselor, that doesn't mean that you have to have any kind of testing done, but this is someone who can really help you understand why you might want it and why you might not, and what you do with that information, right? Absolutely. Um, A lot of the consults that we have don't end in actual
1: genetic testing, Mm -hmm. Um, but it can be more so information for the family about, again, how diseases pass through family, what their risk might be. I specialize in cancer genetics, Um, So working through kind of um, if there's been certain types of cancer present in family members, What does that mean for you? Um, Does that put you at higher risk? Are there differences in the way that you might screen for that type of cancer in your lifetime? Um, So all of those conversations can happen without genetic testing even being done.
0: And again, this is something that tells you if you are more or less likely to get something, not if you have it, correct? Absolutely,
1: yep. So specifically in cancer, um, when you carry a genetic predisposition, as we call it for a certain type of cancer, That does not mean with 100% certainty that you're going to develop that disease in your lifetime, just that you're at much higher risk than the average person.
0: And so then you might want to change some things in your lifestyle if you can. Correct. Right? I mean, some of those things would contribute as well.
1: Absolutely. Those are all, that's all part of that conversation that we have. What are the things that, what are your options to help to reduce risk as much as possible? Um, Are there differences, again, in the way that you might screen for that type of cancer? Starting earlier, screening more frequently, et cetera.
0: Mm -hmm. it's pretty um, what's it like to talk to people tell me a little bit about like the first couple times you did this was it what you expected you know or you know it's such an intimate conversation Um,
1: and it's so different from patient to patient I mean I think that's what I really enjoy about my job everybody has a different personality everybody has a different way of understanding information Um, so no no consult is the same you know Um, you can talk to sisters in two different consults and have entirely different conversations, even though they're related and have the same family history. So um, I think the variety um, and that human interaction is what I really enjoy.
0: So you got exactly what you wanted from your Google search? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thanks, Google. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So you talk a little bit about different kinds of cancer. um, And, you know, I know that you work a lot with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So tell me, what kind of testing... Is available and then what what Sanford offers for for women in that field sure yeah we have I shouldn't just say women because can men get tested for breast cancer too absolutely they can yeah so um, Sanford
1: has kind of a variety of different um, services to help families that have had um, breast cancer present in individuals um, one of the first places you can kind of go is of course to your primary care doctor um, talking about that family history and and um, there are kind of triggers early onset disease in a family, multiple family members that might trigger that um, referral to maybe either a genetic counselor to start with that conversation of, you know, taking the family history, understanding what's gone on, um, and then getting into what we were talking about a little bit earlier. What what do we do about this Mm -hmm. now that you have this family history? Um, Sanford also has um, programs like our Breast Specialty Clinic. Um, So Edith Sanford Breast Specialty Clinic is a clinic Um, that an individual can actually have kind of her breast care um, centered in that Mm -hmm. clinic. So if she has risk factors for breast cancer, including family history, she might come, her initial consult, she would actually visit with a genetic counselor. Um, And then she could be followed in that clinic annually by a a nurse practitioner who would do a clinical breast exam and just kind of keep up to date on any changes for her and her family um, to make sure that, again, screening is being Ordered effectively for right. her um, because and of that, that family manage that care.
0: Exactly. You know, when we think about um, our grandparents, and it's it's changing, right? Like my, um, you know, I'm older than maybe some of our listeners, but <laughs> you know, you might not always know what your grandmother died of. You know, like people didn't always talk about it as much, so you may not have any idea that some of this is in your family. Right. Right. Well, we talk about that regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, some some individuals feel.
1: Um, shy to come in and talk about family history because they really feel like I haven't gotten that much information from my family I don't really know um, what everybody had Mm -hmm. you know they they just said they had cancer but I don't even know really what type of cancer they had or what age they were when they were diagnosed and um, we completely understand that you know their generations before us were very um, close-lipped about you know, medical information, mm-hmm. they didn't share quite as much in a lot of situations. And didn't know as much. And didn't know Mom as wasn't much. wasn't as much to share. Right. Yep. Um, so, you know, in, in those cases, we just work with what we have. What you know is what you know. And, and if you know, well, my grandma had breast or my grandmother had some type of cancer. I'm not sure what it was. But then I also know that my aunt on that side of the family did indeed have breast cancer mm-hmm. at age 50. Um, we just, you know, we work with the information that we have and try to estimate as best we can what might be the best
0: screening routine for you. So talk to me a little bit about the WISDOM trial. Is trial the right word for that? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah.
1: So another part of, of my position at Sanford is actually project manager for the Athena WISDOM program. Um, and the Athena program is actually um, a clinical program that's trying to identify women who might be at increased risk for breast cancer. So on that side of the program, Um, women actually, as they, um, are scheduled for their screening mammograms at Sanford are invited to fill out a breast health questionnaire and that's electronic through their email. um, so they can do it on their own time on their own device. And the answers to those questions then kind of help us to identify some of those women who might benefit from genetic counseling. What are some of the questions that are on there? Um, a lot of the, uh, hormone history for the woman. So when did you start your menstrual periods? Have you had children? What age were you when you had your children? Um, Have you gone through menopause? Have you been on hormones? Um, So those types of things, because we know our hormone levels can have an impact on breast cancer risk. Um, Family history. So how many women are there on each side of your family and which of those women have had breast cancer, if any? What age were they? Um, And then also your own breast health history. Mm -hmm. So have you had breast biopsies for any reason? What were the results of those breast biopsies? And collecting information in kind of those three general areas can help us to identify those women who might be at increased risk.
0: And then once you go through that and you are join the trial or become part of the trial, um, I don't know what the right word is for sure. that, is, uh, then what happens?
1: Yeah, so on the Athena, on the clinical side, um, what happens is actually your um, answers will trigger we have kind of risk thresholds built mm-hmm. into the system and will trigger if you, you know, kind of meet any of our thresholds for um, somebody who may be at higher risk for breast cancer. And if you are, um, then what, you'll, what will happen is you'll actually receive a letter in the mail from our Athena staff outlining that, that we've identified that there may be some risk factors for breast cancer there. Um, and then one of our um, staff members, one of our nurses will actually call you and have a conversation with you over the phone just about what some of those risk factors were that were identified and offer you clinical resources like genetic counseling or that breast specialty clinic we were talking about earlier. So that's the kind of the clinical side of what I do. Um, And then wisdom that was mentioned a little bit earlier is part of some of the research that we're doing in breast cancer. So um, it's kind of a cool trial because instead of being a treatment trial, it's actually a trial to kind of look at That big question that everybody has, how should we screen for breast cancer? Um, So there are kind of conflicting um, recommendations out there.
0: I feel like they're changing all the time. I never know what's what.
1: For when women should start with breast cancer surveillance and how often they should have breast cancer screening. Um, And so Wisdom is trying to look at that question. Um, And the way that they're doing it is um, women 40 to 74 um are eligible for the trial as long as they haven't had a personal history of breast cancer, and they're doing screening for breast cancer. Um, and what ends up happening is you fill out a kind of a um, some different questionnaires that have to do again with your hormone history, family history, kind of the same type of risk assessment type questionnaires. Um, and then there's also um, some other information that's used to try to help to give you a risk assessment for breast cancer within the trial. So some of those things are actually your breast density. So there's a lot of talk recently about fatty versus dense breasts, um, how easy they are to image, and if that means any higher risk for breast cancer. So breast density is part of the clinical trial. And is that
0: one of the things that Wisdom is trying to determine is if that matters? Yeah,
1: I think it's kind of a, um, you know, not the main mm-hmm. goal of the study, but I think this study is really cool because what's going to end up happening is we're collecting a lot of information on a lot of women. And I think there are going to be a lot of additional questions Mm -hmm. research questions like breast density and how that might impact breast cancer risk that can come out of this trial, even though it isn't in the the original
0: hypothesis, right? So it's really more of an informational and screening trial than a treatment trial. You know, I think that when the public hears clinical trial, they Picture, you know, right? A, a mouse on a treadmill, kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and so, what
1: happens is, with wisdom, then um, uh, the the subset of women that are actually in the personalized arm, which means you'll get a personalized risk assessment for breast cancer, um, will actually also do genetic testing. Okay. So they do that through a saliva sample at home. They don't even have to come into the clinic for that, um, and that genetic test result. Um, in addition to the clinical information that we were just talking about is used to to kind of give them an overall risk assessment for for breast cancer. Um, and once we have that risk assessment, then they're actually assigned to what you would what we call in the study a screening bin. And the screening bins could be um, screening every other year. So, um, that would be a little bit less screening than a lot of women in our mm-hmm. women in our area are doing, but about on par with what a lot of women in our area are doing as well. There are a lot of women out there who kind of come in every other year, so that would feel very normal to them. Um, another bin would be annual screening, which is, again, um, kind of what's recommended in general yep. from primary care. Um, so a lot of women are used to hearing that type of, of recommendation. And then um, also you could be, kind of identified as maybe one of our higher risk women within the WISDOM trial um, and could be asked to be coming in every six months for screening. And that would alternate between a mammogram and a breast MRI. And then the, the premise of the study is we would follow those women then for approximately five years um, and see, you know, are they sticking to that screening plan yep, um, and are there any results and was that, that the right for, path for them? Exactly.
0: So um, we don't have a ton of time left, but I just want to make sure that we're able to to tell our listeners that um, you can uh, change your mind at any point about being involved in a clinical trial. Right. And it's uh, there's no cost to you as a participant. Correct. correct? We yep. yep. You know, we, we are talk- currently
1: enrolling, and um, actually, you know, with the Wisdom Clinical Trial as well. Um, it's kind of a cool study because it's flexible in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. So if a woman comes into this study and is told to come in every other year because she she doesn't have a ton of risk factors for breast cancer, um, but she's kind of uncomfortable with that. Um, if she's still planning to to have that annual screening mammogram, she doesn't get booted from the study. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still collecting data on her. She's screening a little bit more frequently than the study had Um, recommended for her, but her data is still being collected and she's still contributing to that research study. Absolutely.
0: mm -hmm. You know, and I I just want, I always want our our folks to know that, that they have, there's a huge um, set of patient rights and that we are always happy to talk to them about whatever those are. And that anyone who enters into a clinical trial doesn't receive less than the standard of care. They still get whatever the recommendation is, but sometimes something else in addition to that, that can help, um, define what we do in the future. Absolutely, yes. So if anybody wants to find out a little bit more about the wisdom trial, um, instead of maybe giving out your personal number, <laughs> call Larissa. <laughs> right. what should we Where should we send them to? Um,
1: actually, the Eda Sanford website has um, right on the website uh, an area where you can click if you're interested in the wisdom study. You can read a little bit about the study. And then there's a button to click to enroll. Absolutely. Thank
0: you so much for coming on today to talk with us. Absolutely. Thank you.